the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, 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 here we are again on a Friday. How did that happen? I don't know. I guess it's between a Thursday and a Saturday. Hello, my friends. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. A, a lot of you, a lot of you have been very active before the show started today, and I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here and, and being alongside for the show today. Um, lots going on, as seems to happen every day. And yes, we will get to John McCain and his very dramatic Game of Thrones thumbs down voting in the Senate last night. <laughs> Gee, but I have other things to cover this this story that's just breaking the last 30 minutes that the North Koreans launched yet another ballistic missile. Number 17, if you're keeping track, if you've got your uh, program and your scorecards handy, that's number 17 for Kim Jong-un, more than his daddy and his granddaddy even thought about launching. So um, what are we doing? What are we doing? What should we be doing? Is, is this certainly a more serious topic than the possibility of Sean Spicer on Dancing with the Stars. Of course it is. Of course it is. And it's something we should be paying a whole lot of attention to. Really. So we'll, we'll get into that. I, I'd love to hear what you guys think today. Open topics today. We will address anything. Anything you want. And um, I don't know if you tuned into Glenn Beck, but if you did and you heard that um, he's got this guy he has on now, it seems like every Friday this O'Reilly guy calls and they have a conversation. And O'Reilly said basically what, what I thought last night, and that is the, the McCain vote that killed the latest effort to repeal Obamacare. That vote was the result of something that happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That was um, that was the result of of uh, something that Donald Trump said. It was it was his own undoing. He he caused it himself. I don't think it had anything to do with anybody other than Donald Trump. And I go back to the quote during the campaign. This was it. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war Five hero. Five and a half years. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. Do you He's agree with that? He's a war hero because he was captured. John McCain. John McCain was the reference to that Donald Trump mini rant. Did you forget it? Did you forget that? Once again. 13 seconds of uh, audio gold from history. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war Five hero. And a half years He's a war PSW hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. Do you He's agree with that? He's a war hero because he was captured. So no matter what you think of John McCain's vote last night, 
No denying that John McCain flew more than 20 missions over North Vietnam and was shot down and then had to eject from his fighter jet. And because of that, he broke both of his shoulders and one of his legs. He landed in the the Hanoi River or lake uh, in, in Hanoi. And they captured him, put him in a POW camp. Five and a half years, almost six years in a POW camp. Had the chance to get out, said, no, I'm going to stay with my men. His rank and privilege, his family would have given him the right to get out. John McCain said, no, I'm going to stay. Five and a half years. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going five days without your precious smartphone? John McCain went five and a half years without his freedom. Tortured, locked up. And the whole time I'm betting John McCain was plotting his response or his revenge. So a year later, a year later, John McCain plots his revenge. See, I believe this. I believe this This is the reason. I, I, I know that Lindsey Graham and McCain and a couple others stood up last night well before the vote and said, Here, here's why we're nervous about passing the skinny, the skinny repeal. Because we don't know if the House will just advance it out of conference right into approval. And they didn't want to do that, they said. I think all along McCain knew what he was going to do. And I think this was a giant finger in the eye of the president. I firmly believe it. You may not. Glenn may not. But I believe it. And that that gentleman that Glenn has on, that O'Reilly fellow that he has on, he believes it too. You heard him say it. I think at the end of the day, it is personal. I think at the end of the day, it is about somebody saying, oh, yeah. So I, John McCain has the patience. He survived five and a half years in a POW camp. He can wait a year. He can lay in the cut and then deliver the punch. And let's face it, it was a punch. A punch to the administration, a punch to the agenda, a punch to all of us. Look, I want Obamacare gone, too. I also don't know if they're ever going to be able to do it, because let's face it, Obamacare was built brilliantly to put roots down in every portion of the government, so it'd be almost impossible to dig it up. John McCain war hero john mccain a guy i have not agreed with but i will tell you this what he did last night you have to you have to respect the strategy because he certainly crafted the entire thing to be dramatic and all brought down to him 80 years old with a giant scar on his on his head as he's recovering from surgery to, surgery to remove that tumor. What is it, two weeks now? Three weeks since he's, he got his brain cut open? My God. This is the stuff out of soap operas. Back from the operating table, flying back in, rescues the, the, the bill from uh, early death a couple days ago, only to engage the dialogue and the debate for 20 hours, and then at midnight, in dramatic fashion, 
he walks in, gets the attention of who's ever counting the votes with Mitch McConnell in sight. He puts the thumb down, effectively killing the GOP's effort to remove Obamacare and maybe, maybe begin the process of replacing it. You have to understand, this is epic stuff. You don't have to agree with it. But this was McCain. This was, they're calling it the McCain moment, right? I don't think this had anything to do with health care reform. And I do think they're still able to do something. But I think this was John McCain saying to the guy who's come in and run completely all over the usual order, or regular order, as he said, in the House and the Senate. Trump has come in and upset everyone's apple cart. And this is John McCain saying, no, we're taking it back. This is the old guard against the new political guard. Now, we're the ones who ultimately pay the price because guess what? Nothing's getting done. Nothing, absolutely nothing is getting done. And uh, trust me, I don't think we're going to see a tax cut. Now, Ted Cruz and Rand Paul both made statements talking about uh, going forward and making, making things better and, and getting back to uh, not just regular order, but getting back to actually doing some business. I don't know how. I really don't know how. I'm going to step aside uh, because um, I'm anticipating a call from Representative Mo Brooks from Alabama. I think he's um, I think he's got a couple things to say. And we talked about him yesterday and I want to give him an attaboy for what what he offered up and what he's trying to do to help Jeff Sessions. So uh, let's break early and see if we come back with uh, Representative Mo Brooks, Michael Pelka on Puro Pelka. Uh, you can join the conversation too. Triple eight nine hundred three three nine three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Your Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Friday. I'm Pure Opelka, and I'm very appreciative of the fact that um, this next guest has found a little bit of time to talk to us. Representative Mo Brooks from the 5th District in Alabama, a, a state I enjoyed because I've had family in Alabama for years, and so I'm, I'm pleased to, to get to talk to this guy. We were saying... Uh, how proud we were of what you offered to do uh, yesterday, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Congressman, Mr. Mo Brooks. Welcome to the show, first of all. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. A little bit frustrated that the Senate can't seem to do its job, uh, as promised to the American people. But, hey, you've got Mitch McConnell in control. What do you expect? Yeah, that's a, that's a big point. I think a lot of us uh, we're very, um, very frustrated as, as many of you in the house who got your job done 
And at least we're hoping to get something out of the Senate to get to a reconciliation and maybe do something. Uh, do you buy any of the statement that was made last night that there were many who were concerned that you guys would just move that skinny repeal into law and that that wasn't going to be good enough for the Senate? Is that was that a legitimate fear? Well, I mean, think about the argument that was made by some senators. In effect, our bill is so bad in the United States Senate that we don't want to pass it out of fear that the House might agree and pass it. <laughs> I mean, really? I would have thought that their job was to come up with the best bill they could to address Obamacare and the issues we face. But instead, they come up with something so bad they, they don't even want the House of Representatives to pass it. That is an incredible statement to me of incompetence. Yeah, it certainly was it, obvious to me that they weren't ready and frustrating to those of us out here who've been suffering under Obamacare. My doctor retired because he couldn't deal with it. So I lost a great doctor and the cost rising. All of us out here are feeling the pain. I'm sure your your constituents are as well. So it's got to be really frustrating. Is there any hope going forward? Is there any chance to do something in the future? Or is this thing effectively dead? Well, let's revisit what happened in the House. We had um, House leadership legislation that, quite frankly, was not very good. And it, and for a while there, it looked like all hope was lost. But then uh, the House Freedom Caucus, uh, Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, uh, we were able to cobble together some principles that were enabled us to get the 217 votes needed to pass it in the House of Representatives to send it to the Senate. So there is some degree of hope, but I'm concerned that Mitch McConnell says, let's move on to the next issue, that he just wants to quit. Well, if he wants to quit, well, why not go out and just quit his House, excuse me, his Senate leadership position and see if we can get in some new, bold, uh, conservative leadership and let them have a crack at doing the job. Uh, but Now's not the time to quit when you've got American families that are suffering, say, in the state of Alabama. Our insurance premiums uh, for health care have tripled, tripled in just four mm. years under Obamacare, up 223 percent. We can't afford that kind of increase. We need relief. We're not a wealthy state. And I'm very discouraged that Mitch McConnell thinks that quitting is an option. You know, there's an old adage uh, that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Well, again, it's time for Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans to get going, uh, to not be weak, but instead be strong. And if, again, they can't do it, they shouldn't be in the United States Senate. It's not an easy job. We've got major issues to face, and some of them are going to be complicated and hard to resolve. Quite frankly, they need to stay in Washington until they get this fixed. You well, they're not going to staying here in Washington instead of going on vacations or, or recessing during the month of August. He'd be surprised what kind of work they can get done. If nothing well, else, I would be some of uh, President Trump's nominees. I would be surprised if they got any work done. Now, it, it, it was a strange night last night. I thought Mitch McConnell almost started crying when this went down. Uh, it, it just felt very bizarre to me. I almost yelled, there's no crying in the Senate. But, you know, my TV doesn't hear me. It just gets frustrated. Uh, Congressman, uh, can can we pivot to the other the other issue, the um, the session story, where you you have yeah. you have said that you would like to be considered to to jump in that primary and and maybe be considered to be the candidate to replace Jeff Sessions in the open seat, but it looks like it sure feels like the president's trying to push him out. 
from me. And uh, I, I think what you're saying here, where you've offered, if all of the other nine GOP candidates will drop out of the primary, that that will clear the path for Jeff Sessions. Where does that stand? Well, I drafted an agreement, and I signed it. So I'm committed to the principle that if Jeff Sessions wants to return to the Senate, if he's fired by Donald Trump or forced out by Donald Trump, that he can go back to the Senate where he was a great senator. And so I've signed a document that if the other eight Republican candidates will agree, then we all would withdraw from the race simultaneously so that there's no trust issue. All of us do it at the exact same moment. Now, that opens up a vacancy. And under Alabama law, the Alabama Republican Party could then fill that vacancy by appointing someone to be the Republican nominee for the Senate seat. And logically, that someone would be Jeff Sessions. He's done a great job as a United States senator, as a former attorney general for the state of Alabama, and is doing a very good job as the current attorney general for the United States. But if there's a difference of opinion between Jeff Sessions and his employer, Donald Trump, about the quality of the work that Jeff Sessions is doing, fine. I'm trying to give him a lifeline. And I'm, I'm, I'd be happy as could be if we could get Jeff Sessions back in the United States Senate be some sacrifice on my part because I've been dedicated to this primary now that is only about two and a half weeks away, August the 15th. But I'd be willing to sacrifice that opportunity to serve in the United States Senate if we had a guarantee that instead it would be Jeff Sessions with his 20 years in seniority and with his wonderful record on issues like border security and illegal aliens, on trade agreements, on deficit and debt. Well, Congressman Brooks, this is Mo Brooks on the phone with us. He's given us a little bit of time here before he's got to get back to work or, or try and catch a plane to get home. Uh, Congressman, has has uh, Jeff Sessions said anything to you about this proposal? Have you heard from him? Does he know about it? No, I intentionally did not call Jeff Sessions because I did not want to put him in a difficult or perhaps compromising situation. I'm pretty sure that Jeff Sessions has heard about it. He's made no public comment. I'm not going to call him up. Uh, but if, again, there are nine of us on the ballot, if we all agree to withdraw, then Jeff Sessions will be our nominee. He's, Jeff Sessions is extremely prop- popular, and I think he would win that Senate seat back in a heartbeat. And the alternative, uh, two will make a runoff. That hmm. means between the time of the primary to the time of the runoff, it only takes two signatures to agree to put Jeff Sessions back in as United States Senator. So if let's let's play the what if game because I'm guessing you haven't heard from the eight other candidates. Um, we get only to, Luther Strange seems the only Luther Strange McConnell's boy uh, thinks that he's better than Jeff Sessions would be, and hmm. I don't think the public would agree with that. Uh, by way of example, Jeff Sessions comes immediately with 20 years of seniority, and that's huge in the Senate. That controls your committee assignments. It controls your chairmanships. Sure does. Um, And none of us nine who are running for this seat would have that kind of seniority until the year 2037, 20 years from now. Well, that's it's a it's a gracious match. It's a gracious and generous offer. And it's one that also makes sense. So, uh, Mo Brooks, I I certainly I tip my cap to you, sir. I'm I'm up against a hard wall on a break. And I want to say thank you for the work you do and for for having principles and, and to bring up a very. Uh, beautiful idea like this. I hope it comes through. Well, hopefully it will, but uh, better yet, 
maybe Jeff Sessions and Donald Trump can work out their disagreements and Jeff Sessions can stay on as attorney general. And then you'll end up being the senator. That's a good deal. Well, that's up to the voters. Mitch we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I need your help on this one. I have um, I have almost no experience in this, and if I did have experience in in this next topic, uh, it happened so long ago that I've forgotten about it. Where am I going? They're all wondering where I'm going. This story, uh, first of all, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, is it Bravo Sierra? I don't think so. And maybe somebody can tell me if, if this, if this is real or is this just, <laughs> I, I'm turning a little red thinking about it, but I wonder how outraged you would be. You go to a bake sale. Your kids' school's having a bake sale. Raise money so they can get new crayons or new supplies. Because we all know schools don't get enough money. The teachers often dip into their own pockets to pay for school supplies for the kids. So schools have bake sales for whatever reason. Maybe it's to send the band to D.C. for some parade or something. One mom made brownies, brought it to school. There was a, there was a different, a different uh, item in the brownie mix, you might say. Let's just say it was a, a natural, a natural addition to the recipe. And yet some people got very, very, very upset. Stop what you're thinking right now. It's not pot. There was no marijuana. There were no drugs. Well, maybe, maybe not, but there, there were no drugs in these brownies. But what was, what was making people scream, what is turning people off to school bake sales at this, this point? Apparently, this mom made brownies for the school bake sale and uh, didn't have time to run out to the store to get all the ingredients. 
And this mom happens to be nursing. Don't get ahead of me. Yes, mom used breast milk instead of regular milk to make the brownies. Let's repeat that. Mom uses breast milk instead of milk from a cow to make the brownies that she then baked and brought to her kids' school for the school bake sale. There apparently was an admission uh, by the mom at the school bake sale, but uh, the brownies had been sold and probably most of them had been consumed at the time. So where do we stand on this? So 888 Is this a problem? Is this a... Is this a, a violation of sorts? Is this some sort of uh, transgressing an unwritten law? Thou shalt not use personal breast milk in brownies you're going to bring to your kid's school? It seems to me that that might break some sort of code, some sort of unwritten code between yourself and the school, or let's just say everybody else. Now, I know there's a a bunch of people in the La Leche League who are all out there saying it's perfectly normal. It's perfectly healthy. It's perfect. It's nature's creation. Uh, Maybe, but I think it's nature's creation for your kid. It's nature's creation for you and your child. I I don't I've never seen this story. I didn't hit the. The big, uh, the big news outlets, uh, it's floating around on like mommy websites. So I guess it's a real deal. I reached out to the woman who posted the story under the um, Instagram or fa- under the Facebook name of Sanctamommy. Now, the moms are uh, responding in, in classic form. Uh, one woman, uh, Camilla response that says uh, this is the kind of people who are making breastfeeding sexual some idiots are comparing breast milk to uh, uh, let's just say other bodily fluids someone also referred to the breast milk as boob juice and said please keep it out of baked goods this is a term I didn't ever expect to use on the blaze radio I'm sorry Glenn if you happen to be listening today But I would love to know where you stand on this. Where do you stand on this? Is this a violation? I wish Dr. Jorge were around because I would be tempted to ask Dr. Jorge, is there there a problem with this? Is there an, uh, an inherent risk to anyone consuming breast milk that isn't part of uh, the mother and child connection? Apparently, the American Academy of Pediatrics has said uh, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't share because maybe it'll cause infections in the children. But do we have to now do we have to write it out to say if you're going to bring if you're going to bring cookies and or brownies to the bake sale, please use normal ingredients. Please do not use any uh, homemade ingredients, as it were. Just a little, a little creepy to think that you might have to even say that. 
if, if, if I'm way off on this, anybody wants to call in and tell me this is, oh, it's perfectly normal. Well, the American Academy of Pediatrics seems to think it's not a good idea. And a bunch of folks have responded to this uh, story by saying they didn't think it was a good idea. I think if you're going to do it, you got to say so. You know, what's, what's next? You're going to have an ice cream social at the school and someone's going to have made uh, uh, breast milk ice cream. And we're going to have to deal with that. We've all heard the stories of the person who went into the refrigerator at the office and and grabbed the wrong package because there was no milk and used it in their coffee. But I think selling selling breast milk brownies kind of kind of steps over the line. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. You tell me. Uh, the, I'll tweet out a link to the story so you can see it, so you don't think I'm making this up. But uh, I initially thought it was Bravo Sierra, but it appears to be appears to be very real. And again, my experience in this area is uh, decades, decades, decades ago, and I'm very unclear on it. It's very, very fuzzy. I, I don't even think I was uh, walking at the time. So let's just put it that way. Speaking of this topic, um. I'm pleased to announce that the city of Chicago, where where I grew up and the surrounding suburbs of Chicago land, let's just put it that way, are experiencing a baby boom. I don't know if you knew it, but Chicago is the all apparently all of the maternity wards are packed and overflowing with new babies in Chicago. And do the math. It's it's not. It's not nine months after Christmas or New Year's. There is a reason why Chicago is experiencing a baby boom. Anybody? Anybody got it figured out? No? What happened last October in Chicago? What happened? The Cubs won the World Series. After decades decades of not not ever first of all the cubs the last time they won the national league pennant was the same year we dropped the bomb on japan so forget about the world series because they didn't win it that year it's been so long that the city of chicago celebrated as you might expect couples celebrated the cubs victory and now nine months later the city of Chicago and the surrounding suburbs are experiencing a baby boom. Let's just say there were a lot of home runs hit that night after the Cubbies won. And now there is an entirely new farm team coming into the system. Let's just, if we're going to celebrate, which is great, I think that's great. I think good for you, Chicago. Good for you, the city of Chicago. I, I still love you despite your your troubles and your progressive leadership, which we hope will go away one day. The city of Chicago, you earned your celebration and you earned this baby boom. Let's just not start a brownie business in the next coming months. No natural brownies. Michael Pelka on Pure Opelka will be back. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Yeah, I tweeted out a link to the story that I was just talking about. Uh, the uh, the story about the mom who reportedly, allegedly used um, breast milk to make the the brownies that they took to the school bake sale. Just uh, just wondering, and and so many of you added some very interesting sidebars to this, wondering, as uh, Stacy Rippey did, the Duchess of Kofefe. Uh, she's just the Duchess now, I guess, uh, saying that there are nonprofit organizations who take mother's milk and donate it to others, but a form of sterilization occurs. So we've got pasteurized mother's milk. Doesn't that kill all the natural stuff that's supposed to be good in in the milk? Stacy also says she'd be interested in seeing a nutritional breakdown of, quote, natural brownies versus the... <laughs> Pre-packaged, mass-produced brownies. Yeah, that's a good question. And a zoo guy, zoo nine guy wonders, will this mom be locked up for illegal distribution of raw milk? Yeah, that's a very interesting question because we often hear that uh, people like in the Amish area will get nailed for um, using unpasteurized milk in certain things. A very interesting story. I'm just curious about it. Very curious about it. So I wrote to my brother, Frank, who is a doctor, who is um, probably probably able to answer this. Uh, he answers just about everything. So I'm, I'm wondering if we may get an answer before we end the hour. Also, coming up today, uh, a little bit later, Billy Hallowell. He's going to start joining us every Friday for uh, Faith Lift Fridays to try and give us um, just a a little more of an uplifting perspective and a thoughtful perspective. Not that I'm not thoughtful, but I, you know, I just, Billy's out there. Billy's in the, in that market every day. And, um, I have a vital question of the day that I posted as well. Very early this morning, I was, I was watching the Scaramucci discussions happen. I was watching all of the, all of the quotes from Ryan Lizza about his interview with Scaramucci. And while I am a total supporter of free speech, I do think that just because you can doesn't mean you should. I don't think you'd go into church and start cursing like a sailor if you wanted to respect that space. I, I just think that's, that's wrong. So for Scaramucci to say the things he said to a reporter... And then kind of play dumb about it and say, oh, well, you know, I use that language. I guess I'll learn. Sorry, sir. You weren't born yesterday. You're not a 13-year-old. You knew exactly what you were doing. You knew what you were, the, the, the bombs you were dropping. Now he's taking the better not to comment angle on things. The damage is already done. The dam is already broken, sir. But the vital question of the day, which is posted on my Twitter account, at StuntBrain, asks the question, and it also gives you a little bit of a preamble. I support free speech, but also bristle at Scaramucci's coarse language. Do you approve of the press secretary's vulgarities? Currently, 38% of you say yes, no limits on speech. 48% of you say no, set an example. 
And 14% of you can't effing decide. And that's actually the answer that I put on there. You're welcome. It's meant to be a little bit of funny. I would love for you to uh, engage in the poll and participate. I'd love for you to weigh in. I'd love for you to, uh, on Twitter, share the poll because I think it's an important question for us to ask. Is everything okay everywhere? No. But the F word and and the other words he used and the, the disgusting insult he threw at Steve Bannon, I'm sorry, it's beneath the office. And probably if, if that happened on the schoolyard, if that same discussion happened on the schoolyard, would result in some physical altercation. And you know that CNN was eating it up. As a matter of fact, I... I I turned on I turned on CNN last night, and uh, they couldn't wait to banner that Scaramucci statement. And what do we hear today? Scaramucci, Priebus, and the president, all on Air Force One. Speaking of which, wasn't that the movie where Harrison Ford threw the guy out of the back of the plane? Get off my plane! I'm not saying that's going to happen to either Scaramucci or Priebus. I'm I'm not speculating on that. I'm just saying. Priebus and Scaramucci and Trump on Air Force One, and I immediately flashed to the movie Air Force One. Life imitating art? Perhaps. We'll be right back. Opelka. With Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. It is Friday, and this is the second hour of Pure Opelka. And tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I will be back here with yet another Saturday on the Blaze Radio Network. We will kick off the weekend programming. So I would love to have you here. And once again, this audience, which uh, very, very creative, very um, clever. Thanks for uh, thanks, Frank and PA for the um, got milk reference on the brownies. Frank, you're going to get me in trouble with HR. And uh, Andy, yes, uh, the old the old kids joke. What kind of bee makes milk? Not honey. We know. The boo bee. Yes, of course. It's a Friday. Things are a little off off kilter already. I I invite you to join the program to be part of part of the entertainment as we deal with whatever um dismay we feel after yesterday, after the realization, even though we hoped against all reality and all the signals, we hoped that after giving control of the House and the Senate and the White House to the GOP, that they would get something done. No, they're not getting anything done. 
They're not getting anything done. After John McCain's big vote last night. By the way, do you remember John McCain uh, earlier in the evening? Do you remember John McCain talking about Obamacare? Yeah, I do. And you know the message is? This health care bill, repeal and replace, repeal and replace, repeal and replace, repeal and replace, repeal and replace. And if you don't, and then if you don't, we're going to repeal them. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. That's not from last night. That's from 2010. That's right. That's not last night. That's from 2010. John McCain. Oh, you crazy man, you. John McCain, why I oughta. It's maddening, isn't it? It really is maddening. Uh, and and after, after it all went down and there were a couple hundred people partying in the streets outside of the Capitol, the cameras picked up and wandered inside and talked to folks who had stayed up well past their bedtime. Senator Ted Cruz talked to the cameras and, and you know, John McCain said that thing about we're going to repeal and replace them, right? That was from 2010. Well, going forward, it sure sounds like maybe the same thing. Seven years, Republicans have been promising the American people that we would repeal Obamacare. And the American people are entirely justified in saying any politician told me that and voted the other way didn't tell me the truth. They lied to me. No party can remain in power by lying to the American people. No party can remain in power by lying to the American people. Pretty good words there. Pretty solid. So as, as last night happened, I, I don't know if you're like me, I kind of looked at my calendar and I said, gee, we are very close now. We start, we start really hearing the drums of 2018. And I will tell you, this, this is going to be a bit of a mess because as, as disillusioned as many of us are on the conservative side of things, there is considerable disillusionment and uh, fractions within the Democratic Party. They surely didn't show it on this vote. You didn't see anybody break, break ranks with Chuck Schumer. He got all 48 of his ducks in one row and they didn't waver. But rest assured, there are problems in the Democratic Party. And I don't think we can count on their weakness to give us or to allow us to maintain control of the House, it's a pretty good bet we'll maintain control of the Senate just because of the number of seats that are up and seats for Republican members are not as, as in bad shape as, as the House is. So do you want Nancy Pelosi as the Speaker of the House? Do you want that to happen? Because it sure feels like that's what's coming down the pike if the GOP does not get its act together and start doing something, something other than, than what we saw yesterday. Really, uh, last night, as it all wound down, and as Mitch McConnell stood there, as Mo Brooks was, Representative Mo Brooks was on with us just about, just a little over an hour ago. Uh, Representative Mo Brooks was on with us talking about Mitch McConnell. And I think 
I think he's right. I, I hope the Senate gets its stuff together and maybe considers neutering Mitch McConnell and replacing him with somebody who has a pair, who has a set. And there are folks who say, look, this is the best thing that could happen to the GOP, because if they did pass this bill, it would have been an even bigger disaster for 2018. I'm sorry, I, I don't think you win by digging in. That's the Saddam Hussein mentality. Remember, that's that bunker mentality. That's digging a deep hole and just waiting and hoping that you'll be able to wait it out. I think the people are done with waiting it out. I think those of us who are, are changing our lifestyles and doing different things, we're, we're damn tired of waiting. Look, I, I feel the same economic pains you do. My, my life has changed as well. We don't go out to dinner. We, I make my lunch every single day. I don't go to fast food. If we're out to dinner, it's a place like Ruby's for once a week. But it's not, it's not going out to dinner for me. Even when I went on the road in Las Vegas, guess what? I brought supplies with me so I didn't have to rely on hotel food and pay hotel prices. It's about being smart. And I think we're tired of being the ones who scrimp and save while we watch these, these elected entitleistas keep doing whatever the hell they want just so it'll get them reelected. McConnell sounded like he was going to cry last night. Did you hear it? I ask unanimous consent that H.R. 1628 be returned to the calendar. Is there objection? <clears throat> Without objection. So, Mr. President, this is, uh, you know, clearly a disappointing moment. No, duh. Uh, from skyrocketing costs to, uh, to plummeting choices and collapsing markets, our constituents have suffered through an awful lot under Obamacare. We thought they deserved better. It's why I and many of my colleagues did as we promised and voted to repeal this failed law. We told our constituents we would vote that way. And when the moment came, when the moment came, most of us did. We kept our commitments. We worked hard, and everybody on this side can certainly attest to the fact that we worked really hard. What? Do you hear that? Are you buying this? Is that... I'm going to wind that back just a little bit. We worked hard, and everybody on this side can certainly attest to the fact that we worked really hard to try to develop a consensus for a better way forward. You had... Seven years. You had an eternity. And you failed. You weren't ready. Working hard and working smart are worlds apart. You're supposed to be the best. You're supposed to be the leaders. You're not. This was an embarrassment. This really was frustrating. And that's why I think Ted Cruz's words ring so true. 
That's why I think that 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 everybody, everybody in office ought to be worried. The right because they have no leader and no direction. The 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 left because they have no leader and no direction either. American politics is adrift. And both sides are lying to the people. Ted Cruz said it last night. Seven years, Republicans have been promising the American people that we would repeal Obamacare. And the American people are entirely justified in saying any politician who told me that and voted the other way didn't tell me the truth. They lied to me. No party can remain in power by lying to the American people. No party can remain in power by lying to the American people. That needs to be on a shirt that everybody wears whenever they're in front of their representatives. No party can remain in power by lying to the American people. Thank you, Senator Cruz. I got to share some good news. I, I have some really wonderful news to share with you. So I'm going to put the pause button on the politics and uh, we're, we're going to uh, we're going to step aside here. Uh, Billy Hallowell's joining us, too, a little bit later. We're going to have a little a, a faith lift from the guy over at faithwire.com. And uh, I'll try and shove a little more good news. But uh, some really good news coming up. Somebody who took lemons and really made lemonade and then shared it. That's next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I got some, uh, I know I said I had um, some happy news to share, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in just a minute. Um, little Charlie Gard has passed away. He was... Um, a week short of being a year old. Now, who knows? When we first started hearing about Charlie Gard, he was just 10 months old, nine months old, 10 months old. His parents had raised $1.7 million to try and prove to the British health system that, that they were able to support the efforts to try and have a miracle cure for Charlie that was in the U.S. This was months ago. Now you realize when you're, when you're 11 months and three weeks old, a couple of months is an eternity. It's a gigantic chunk of your life. And that British Health Service that could have allowed Charlie's parents to take him to America. They had the money. It wasn't going to be any skin off their nose. But I have to think this is about ego. That this was about proving something. Because God forbid you get Charlie out and there's a positive result. And then all of these other parents say, but Charlie God was given the opportunity the parents were so strong. The parents, Connie and Chris, Charlie's dad and mom, 
so strong. The Pope offered sanctuary. The President of the United States weighed in. Pretty much the whole damn world, the whole damn thinking world weighed in and said, Charlie Gard deserves a shot. I got to believe that the judges at the European Court of Human Rights who refused to intervene in the case were in lockstep with the British Health Service. They wouldn't even let the parents take Charlie home to die at home. They wanted to spend the last few moments in, in the home he grew up in, in quiet, peaceful reflection on the short life of Charlie Gard. But the heartless, soulless bastards who will eventually be deciding life and death situations here in America if we get to single-payer health care, if we get to this, this Frankenstein idea that is single-payer health care, they're coming here. Charlie's army couldn't defeat the single-payer health care system of England. Charlie's army was capable of raising the money that may have given Charlie a shot. And who knows? Who knows if seven or eight weeks ago, when we first started talking about this, had Charlie been allowed, had the parents been allowed to take their child, not the state's child, had the parents been allowed to take their child across the pond to America, maybe Charlie lives another month or two. Maybe Charlie doesn't. But maybe doctors learn something on how to deal with mitochondrial disease. When did we give up trying? When did we... When did we tell parents, you can't decide? When did that happen? This would not have cost the British government a penny. And yet it stripped these parents of their rights and their dignity and Charlie's dignity. I'm heartbroken. I'm also scared. You got you got a baby boom in Chicago. This is this is the saddest story on the heels of the breakdown of our our efforts to try and remove Obamacare. This, this festering weed that is throwing vines and roots all over our lives and our government. Those of you who think a Charlie Gart situation can't happen here, I hate to tell you this. You are sadly mistaken. You are very sadly mistaken. The headline reads, our beautiful boy has gone. Well, at least, at least the world knows. At least the world knows about Charlie Gard. I didn't think we'd ever get the, the Pope 
and the president of the United States really on the same page. And I think we did on this one. And I, I just, I'm upset on several accounts on the human side, on the medical innovation side, because that's not what America does. We don't give up. And I know this wasn't America. This was England's problem. But this problem is coming here. Unless, unless we do something now. Maybe Charlie will have not died without sparking somebody to stand up against this. God rest in peace, Charlie. Well, now I know we need a faith lift. Billy Hallowell from uh, Faithwire going to join us. I don't know if he knows the story. I was going to tell him a story uh, that, I, that I read today. I've got a story about Jim Gaffigan and something wonderful that happened uh, for Jim Gaffigan and a story about a canceled wedding. How can a story about a canceled wedding be good, Mike? Well, yeah, there is there is hope that a canceled wedding could have a could have a happy result. And you're just going to have to stick around and see. The president has also just landed on uh, Long Island, I think it is. He's getting ready to speak at a um, at an event that's talking about what we're doing to battle MS-13, the horrific gang that's uh, trying to set up camp all over the country. Pretty much has. But... Um, We need to take on this gang and stop them dead in their tracks. More coming up. Rest in peace, Charlie Guard. God bless your parents. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We're watching uh, Air Force One land at MacArthur's uh, airport, MacArthur Airport on Long Island. I know it well. Used to fly out of there all the time. And Reince Priebus and Scaramucci are apparently uh, on Air Force One. The president will be exiting soon, and then there's some sort of a live event talking about what we're doing to fight fight the gangs in the world we're expecting billy hallowell from faithwire unless he's fibbed to us maybe and we will we will trust me we will give it to him if he if he did fib to us no we're we're supposed to get billy he said he wants to do this faith lift on fridays you know kind of do us a uh, kind of give us some uplifting stories from from faithwire.com. I see Nikki Haley, UN ambassador and rock star, is on Air Force One. She'll be uh, apparently with the president. She was talking yesterday about what we're going to be doing to fight MS-13, and I know the uh, ICE people are talking about it. 
And I believe, remember about three weeks ago I mentioned that I think we were probably going to be sending some troops into uh, Central America. Yeah, I still hold by that. Somebody called me the other day and said, you remember when you predicted that you were going to, that we were going to be sending troops to uh, Central America? I said, yeah. Why hasn't it happened? Well, maybe we were ahead of the curve just a little bit. You can also vote, speaking of Scaramucci and, and Priebus, you can uh, vote on the uh, vital question of the day, the poll that is posted online on Twitter at StuntBrain that is uh, asking if if those those statements from from Scaramucci his coarse language his cursing do you approve of this in the uh, office of the press secretary 36% of you say yes of course we do no limits on speech 50% of you say no he should be setting an example and 14% of you cannot effing decide. With tongue firmly planted in cheek, we posted that question that way. So uh, join the voting. There are 18 hours left. We'll give you the vote totals uh, tomorrow morning on the Saturday morning edition of Pure Opelka. The, um, the news of Charlie Gard's passing is now starting to take over the Internet. An Internet that was uh, focused on other things. Uh, the Twitter world is starting to realize that this this has happened. Charlie Gard, we did the story, the announcement just a few minutes ago. I'm sure it's going to be everywhere. There's going to be a story on the blaze as well, very shortly. And I'm sure Billy was working on a, another story as I see him posting a, a tweet. And maybe we'll hear from Billy Hallowell. I do have some good news. I do have some good news to share with you. I mentioned a, a wedding that got canceled. And how could a wedding getting canceled be good news? What kind of a horrible person am I if I announce that there's good news because a wedding was canceled? Well, this $30,000 wedding and the reception was, um, was canceled a week before it was supposed to happen. And the almost bride, Sarah Cummins, had booked this reception in Carmel, Indiana, just north of Indianapolis, a little bedroom community. And they had put a um, non-refundable deposit on and, and payment, because you're pretty much a week ahead of time, you have to pay for everything on these big fancy schmancy affairs. They were going to have a sit-down dinner, a fully plated dinner, for 170 guests. And despite the fact that the day she had planned for so long was not going to happen, this woman decided, Sarah Cummins decided she was going to do something to make somebody else feel better. So what did she do? She decided that veterans and local organizations who don't get to go out and have this kind of a dinner deserved it. So she threw a dinner party for veterans and homeless people. Cummins told the Indianapolis Star that they called off the wedding about a week earlier and they had this contract they couldn't break. And she said, I wanted people, these people, to know that they deserve to be at a place like this just as much as everyone else. She said, rather than throw away the food, it would bring some purpose to it. 
So she got a hold of area homeless shelters, and she was there to greet each and every guest when they arrived on Saturday. When the news spread that this was going to go down, some of the local businesses got involved, and some people actually stepped up and went through their closets and donated suits and dresses and basically outfits for the guests to wear. One of the guys is quoted in the Associated Press coverage on this story. His, his name is Charlie Allen. And uh, Charlie said, I didn't have a sport coat, but he had a jacket that had been donated. And he said, I think I, think I look pretty, pretty nice in this. So the seven bridesmaids that were supposed to be there, they all didn't make it, but three of them came by. So did the mother of the almost bride and the aunts. And some guests dined on chicken breasts with artichokes and Chardonnay cream sauce. And they actually had wedding cake. This is, this is a great story. A great story. The 25-year-old woman who's a, a graduate of Purdue University and a, a student in pharmacy said she and, and her almost husband footed the bill. Her parents kicked in a little bit. She said when she approached the almost fiancé about donating the dinner, he agreed to it. He said that's kind of a selfless way to handle the situation. When asked about the wedding dress by the Associated Press, she said she wasn't sure what they were going to do with that, stating that it's still a little bit of a sore subject, a painful topic. So it's not all bad news all the time. And when you think about it, this $30,000 wedding that didn't happen, that turned into a night that will probably be remembered for quite a while for the, for the veterans who got to go and the homeless folks who got a new outfit and stepped on buses that pulled them up and drove them to the uh, event and back to the shelter afterwards. Kind of a beautiful thing. My hat's off to you, Sarah Cummins. You, uh, you found a, a happy ending. You found a silver lining to what could have been a really, really bad memory. And if, if this was going to be a, um, a relationship, a marriage that wasn't going to work out, guess what? You just saved all that hassle, too. So good for you. Good for you. We're going to see if we can get Billy Hallowell on the phone. I think, uh, I think he said he just got caught up trying to update the Charlie Guard story on Faithwire. Maybe we'll, we'll break away just a little bit early. Oh, you know what I'll do? I'll take care of some business here and um, share with you uh, some, some really important information. Like, why haven't you called and gotten your uh, three-week quick start pack from our friends at Relief Factor? Why haven't you done this? It's $19.95. It's 100% botanicals. It is wild-caught fish to make that fish oil. And what it does is reduce the inflammation in my joints, in my hips, in my back, which means the pain goes away. It's all, all natural. 100% botanical. So call Relief Factor at 800-500-8384. 
800-500-8384, or go to relieffactor.com, or I'll tell you what, listen to what Patricia in Michigan had to say about Relief Factor when she tried it. At one time, I was in constant pain in my knees and hips. I'm 72 years old and thought, that's what happens when you get old. I heard about Relief Factor on the radio shows. To my surprise and relief, it took away my hurt. I can get out of bed easier in the morning, and even damp and rainy days don't bother me as much. I started out taking three doses per day, but now only take two. Thank you, Relief Factor, for letting me know about this wonderful product. Thank you, Patricia. You can get yours. Call 800-500-8384, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I'll tell you, we are keeping an eye to see if we can catch the president. Some of his live remarks from Long Island. He's in Brentwood, Long Island, to talk about what we're doing to uh, stem the tide of this gang, MS-13, brutal gang that's basically infiltrating our country. Uh, Horrible, violent people just terrible and maybe we'll get it live i i have another great warm and fuzzy story to share with you and i think i think um i don't know if you've heard this jim gaffigan the comic i know he's a friend of glenn's and i i ran this by glenn i don't think he talked about it i didn't hear the entire show today uh jim gaffigan who who is um just a solid guy all around. He's a guy who works clean, too. You you got to respect a guy who can work comedy clean these days. It ain't easy. And and he's had, you know, he's he's got a very large family, if you think about it. And uh, just just an amazing story that you can you can keep your head on and have this kind of success and actually uh, <laughs> make your way in show business. And then he had to go up against the fight of his wife with with cancer. And Jim Gaffigan recently celebrated his his 15th, 14th anniversary with his wife and um, posted something on on uh, not Facebook, but on uh, Instagram 
saying, I realize we live in strange, maybe even mean times. Like you, I read the news daily, shaking my head with horror how humans treat other humans. But there are some amazing people out there. And when Janine Gaffigan was diagnosed with a brain tumor, so many friends, family, and strangers stepped up to offer meals, help, encouragement, and prayers. It really blew me away. He thanks everybody for everything. And he said, "Our one, one friend was Mario Batali. Do you know Mario? He's a chef. He's kind of a, a famous TV chef. He's the guy who wears the shorts and the, and the Crocs all the time. I didn't know much about Mario Batali, but if he's friends with Jim Gaffigan, he's got to be a pretty good guy. Mario and his wife Susie sent over numerous elaborate gourmet meals to feed me, the kids, and our helpers. And last week, I emailed Mario asking him to help me find a place for our 14th wedding anniversary. Gaffigan says he was just trying to find a nice place for us to celebrate, but given the fact that his wife cannot comfortably eat solid foods yet, he was hoping to find a place that did amazing soups. And he said, yeah, even in July, I know. Mario was on vacation, and Gaffigan said, I thought he would at least point me in the right direction. But he insisted on creating... A, a custom menu to come to his restaurant, Del Posto, and they would be taken care of. Mario Batali made the most stunning display of gourmet soups with wines or cocktails, the whole thing able to be consumed without chewing. Jim Gaffigan didn't expect it. He All he wanted was a reference. And Mario Batali didn't have to do this. He said it was insanely, amazingly delicious, a wonderful experience, but the generosity and kindness and compassion by Mario Batali was the most moving. If you're, if you're on Instagram, you can see the menu. He's posted the menu, and it, does, it looks fantastic and delicious. But in, in a time where Jim Gaffigan says we are in the middle of, of, of some of the meanest treatment we've seen, let's, let's just reference Scaramucci and what he said about co-workers in the White House yesterday. And then you see somebody like Mario Batali doing this to help this family celebrate. It's a beautiful thing. I've never eaten in a Mario Batali restaurant. I'm always thinking it's probably probably a little deeper pockets required than I've got right now. But we'll see. Perhaps perhaps it's time to make a, a trip to a Mario Batali place and say anybody that treats his friends the way he treated the Gaffigans deserves our business. Well done, sir. And you know what, Jim Gaffigan, good for you for letting the world know about it. We need to promote more good things happening in this world. We certainly have enough bad things. When we get back, Billy Hallowell or President Trump, who am I going to talk to? Well, we'd be listening in on Trump, but I think we got Hallowell lined up. How about a Friday faith lift? We'll take care of that next. I'm Pure Opelka.
Azure Opelka. With Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. It's the third hour of Pure Opelka on a Friday. That means I have one foot out the door towards the weekend. Until, of course, Saturday morning when we return at 6 a.m. to kick off the Blaze Radio on Saturday mornings. So you're welcome to get up early and join the party. It will be live, just as it was last weekend from Las Vegas. Yes, it was 3 a.m. in Las Vegas last weekend when I was surrounded by the zombies leaking out of the casino and trying to figure out whether they were just starting their night or just ending it. But nevertheless, we will be here engaged in the moment tomorrow to deal with whatever's coming down the pike first thing in the morning. A couple of different stories today. Obviously, uh, we covered a little bit of what happened with the health care bill, but, you know, you've been inundated with that. There are no shocks there, right? Um, and you, you know about... Uh, Scaramucci, because the the vital question of the day is up on the Twitter, and many of you have jumped in on this. Many of you have jumped in to say, I'm not keen on the the way the cursing has has come out of the White House, this administration. So uh, you can vote. We'll be giving the final results to the vital question of the day. But let's let's ask our our buddy, our guest, our friend, the man uh, behind Faith Lift on Fridays here, Billy Hallowell from Faith Wire USA, former escaped colleague of mine. Uh, Dr. Hallowell, how are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. How are you? It's, I'm, I'm a little sad. I'm a little sad with uh, the Charlie Gard news that just came down, which is why I was late. So I appreciate you once again putting up with me, Michael Polka. Well, it seems to be an ongoing thing, Lucy. Just hold the football right there. I'll be up to kick it in a minute. Don't worry about it. Yeah, the Char- the Charlie Guard thing, you know, Billy, it's one of those things that w- when you get to be a grown-up and you understand that life and death are parts of are parts of our world and we all know when someone's close, you know, if you know somebody who's not well and they're going to pass away, we've all experienced that, but when it ultimately happens, it still gut punches you because I, I think we all hold out hope for some miracle. But this one, this one seemed to I, it hit me hard. I have to tell you, I got I got emotional an hour ago. Yeah, you know, it, it's, I think because there were so many elements of this and I think it is interesting you know, what his parents have said. And, and obviously they're quote unquote biased parties in this because they're right in the middle of it. But that you know, what they've said is that this kid has literally transformed the world and in that he has brought this issue to everybody's attention. And even though he was so sick before he died and there were so many different issues that came out of this, uh, there was a reason everyone was talking about this. And I think it's because at the core, no matter what people say about life, about anything on any of these issues from abortion down the line, people know that life matters and that every life matters. And so I think that's why people really just from the start, 
were, you know, I don't want to use the word enamored because it was such a horrific story, but they were intrigued and, and they were riveted by it. So it's, it's, a, it's a sad ending that we had hoped for a miracle that didn't happen. Well, I, I just I'm I'm stunned. And I said this just a few minutes ago that who would have thought that this little at the time, 10 month old baby could unite the pope and the president on a topic. You know, that's just. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's the uh, you know, I think that's um, essentially the most intriguing part here is that you have the two parties who couldn't seem to get along coming together and coming together strongly. And we don't know, I I think in fairness to this whole case, you know, we don't know, we know the condition before he passed away to try the experimental drugs was he was far too gone with his muscles and everything. We don't know what his condition was in December or January when doctors there were saying, no, he couldn't have it. You know, was he in the same position he was in now? And we just didn't know, was he in a better position? We can't know that. The only people who know that are the doctors who have the files and that American doctor who I'd love to talk to. I've emailed him a bunch of times, haven't been able to connect with him, um, who went out there and, you know, looked into his case and wasn't willing to treat him after he saw how bad it was. We don't know all those details. So I think now's the time to pray for the family, to mourn. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of anger and frustration and the parents themselves have blamed, you know, the doctors for waiting so long. Uh, but again, we, we don't know those details. And so it makes it a little harder, I think. Well, still, yeah, I, I side with the parents on this one. I, I think it goes back to how dare you question a parent. If the parent's going to do something that isn't going to be any skin off your nose or a nickel out of your pocket, and frankly, it's, it's not as if they're taking him in the backyard and twirling a cat over him and, and trying to come up with some magic words. They were taking him, as the father said, from one world-class hospital to another. And if it wasn't going to cause the hospital any financial distress, the only thing left is ego and emotional distress. And I think yeah. that's where this thing failed. That's where the British health system, for me, failed. This was all about ego and control. At the end of the day, and it's about government control. And that's what's tragic, because we don't know what would have worked. And we don't know. I mean, look, the Vatican Hospital is willing to take him. And that, and that professor, that doctor from New York, you know, was willing to take him. But we don't know what they would have said had they looked deeper. But why couldn't the parents have tried? And I think that goes back to the parental rights issue, because had the parents not been stopped in November or December, whenever they put their first request in after this really happened in October, you know, this could be a different story. It really could be. And I think we, we've got a lot of big issues, and I keep getting critiqued for saying this, but we've got big issues with health care to talk about. We also have big issues with parental rights to talk about and what this case means for America, because, you know, Europe always seems to be a few steps further down the ladder um, of chaos than America is. And, you know, I, I'm not making a statement about universal health care or anything like that, but when you give the government that much control, there are side effects. And I think this is one of those side effects that parents were not allowed to treat a child that doctors were saying was not in pain. I mean, a lot of the doctors were like, this kid's not in pain. So it, it's just, it, it's horrible. And I, and I can't, I feel for these parents because I can't imagine what it would be like. And I have to commend them because they fought until they could not fight anymore. They fought every detail of it. And some will say that was false hope. And, but I will say that at the end of the day, it, it exemplifies what a parent's love is. And, and we don't get to see that very often. And I think we saw that in this in this case. Well, you as a parent of two little ones would know much more than I. And I'm sure you guys, you and your bride would do the same thing. 
Oh, yeah. I wouldn't stop until – and look, I, I think – I wrote an op-ed, and I'd love to send it out to you. I, actually, I think I did send it to you the other day about this issue and about hope. And, you know, even though this had the ending we were hoping it didn't have, you know, I think so many of us limit hope and we limit what can happen. And I think that's really unfortunate because there's so many cases where doctors say the end is the end. This is over. This person's going to die. It's done. And they remove life support and the person survives or people get healed. I mean, these, this is not some crazy religious person saying this. I'm telling you things that I've and you know this, that we've talked about people we've interviewed um, that exist in real life. And so I think we've got to hold on to hope. And I don't think enough people had hope in this case. And again, it didn't end the way that we hoped it would, but other cases do. And we got to keep that hope. Oh, I agree with you completely. What else are you working on today? What else is popping on Faithwire and the Hallowell? Oh, oh, let me ask. There's a rumor floating around the internet um, that you had a, a meeting, an embrace. Was there a kiss with, uh, with uh, a, a former American Idol contestant, Clay Aiken? Well, there was no kiss or embrace, but I was actually, uh, I was on Bold TV today, which is a lot of fun, and he hosts that with Carrie Sheffield, and, um, you know, they, they basically have a really cool little outfit going on over there, but we talked about my book, Fault Line, and uh, we talked about media bias, university bias, Hollywood bias, and, yeah, we went back and forth a little bit. Let's just say Clay Aiken didn't agree with me on what I was saying, which is that I think there is bias that is ingrained in those arenas, and... Yeah, we had some, we had a few disagreements, if if I might uh, if I might say so myself. So, but it was and interesting. It was fun, and he was gracious. Where can we see this? If you go to Bold TV, and we're actually going to run a story on Faithwire too, where we carry the video. So you can go to faithwire.com today, um, or you can go to Bold TV's Facebook page, and you can check it out. Like I said, it was a lot of fun, and you could see. You know, he made some interesting points. I don't agree with him, but. Um, you know, I didn't. Re- I was hoping to battle with Kelly Clarkson, but that opportunity wasn't there, so I got Clay again. There you go. But the, 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 all the rumors about the embrace and the smooch—none of that. There's no truth to that. <laughs> none of them are true. Although Chris Field, um, you, one of the blaze, you know, a blazer still, and, and also one of my good friends, tried to spread that rumor as well. It didn't happen. See, I can't ever imagine Chris Field stretching the truth. It's just—I'm sorry, I. I, I question your motives on shooting down this story, but I'll, I'll defer to you because you're on the phone right now. So I'm not going <laughs> to. You know, one day we just need to get on here and we need to prank to lift people's spirits on this segment on a Friday. We just need to prank Chris Field. It should be a goal of yours to do live on the air. It's a goal of mine every day. What do you mean every <laughs> on a Friday? Yes, we. But see, he doesn't. He's not listening now. So. There are some um, uh, willing co-conspirators who are, and I, they know who they are. One needs to calm down, lest she give away the uh, plan. Oh, Kate but Scanlon, we, yeah. She's, Kate Scanlon is a total mess, but in a good way. And also, yeah. you know, I would add that Chris Fields, <laughs> I, what I love about Chris Fields' family is that they want nothing more than to embarrass him. And so they've sent me a treasure trove of photos from his childhood. Um, and embarrassing photos, everything from the bathtub as a kid all the way down the line to his mullet as a teenager. And I've been slowly releasing those on social media. So it's it's a real joy. Well, that's wonderful. Um, I, I, I'm going to give you a scoop. Monday, you have to listen to this show on Monday. Uh, we are having uh, the Vatican Ninja, uh, the Papal Ninja on the show. Um, I would love to be on for that. That sounds amazing. Do you, Do you know who the Papal Ninja is? 
No, but it just sounds amazing. I don't know who the Papal Ninja is, but any uh, aside, time you make Papal and Ninja together, I'm in. How, how do you now get curious about the Papal Ninja? Aside from probably being, um, I, I'm going to try and make a love connection between the Papal Ninja and Kate Scanlon, even though she doesn't know it and will probably resist it. But uh, the Papal Ninja is a young man who is competing in the American Ninja Warrior game on NBC. And uh, earlier this week, he qualified for the big multi-million dollar finals thing. But Billy, you've seen that show, right? Where they go through all the oh, obstacles. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not getting past the first obstacle. I know it. In great shape, I'm not getting past the first obstacle. <laughs> this guy got through the major city finals event. And before the last thing where they have to ratchet up a 35-foot wall using just their arms, this guy stopped, took a knee, and said a prayer. And he still beat everybody else in time. So he's like Tebow, kind of, but better. He Tebowed, he Tebowed just before the final stage of, of the American Ninja Warrior City Finals to earn a place in the big finale where he'll be able to go for it. And he had, he had his parents and a cadre of, of, of clerics on the sidelines, all investments. It was fabulous. <laughs> but he's going he's to join us Monday. And, you know, if you want to be part of the fun, you can. Although I think Scanlon wants to be a part of it, too. So you never, it's going to be well, crowded. Ban Scanlon, ban Scanlon. That, that's the decision that could already be made. That doesn't even need to be negotiated. But I would love to be there. I'll keep you posted on that. All right, before I let you out of here, uh, uh, what what else is hanging out? What else is lurking in the uh, Faithwire files that are about to pop or just popped? You know, it's been like a Justin Bieber week, which has been really Ooh. interesting and Ooh. really strange. I'm about um, to ask you about you that. Know. Is that is it true? Did he stop his tour in order to start his own church? No, it's not true. He's denying it. He's saying that it's because he's tired and exhausted, which is what the statement essentially was initially. Yeah, it was vague. It was uh, you know un unexpected circumstances basically. But no, he he flat out denied it was for religious reasons. So now look, it might be that he's exhausted, and part of it is a faith, personal faith issue. But he has been more and more involved in his Christian faith, which I think is what's intriguing people, is we're seeing him speak about it more. And he's not just saying random things like, oh, I love God. He's saying very deep theological things that somebody who kind of understands the Bible really well says. So, yeah, he, he was not doing it. Um, and by the way, Kate Scanlon is texting me and harassing me because she hears me live on the air making fun of her. But side note with Bieber is that, uh, you know, he's just, he's a fascinating guy. He's got a lot of, he's had a lot of problems. And yet has this intriguing faith walk. So we'll have to keep watching. I think it's it's just so bizarre. When I first saw it, I was like, that can't be true. That's that's like the rumors when, when Elvis was out there and someone was starting a Presbyterian church that was going to be the first church of Elvis, the Presbyterian. I was like, give me a break. That's not there real. Is, there is one other thing, and I would encourage people to check this out. We have it over on faithwire.com. It's this girl, Becca Shea, and she's a Christian singer. And what she does is she rewrites, like, every Top 40 song and gets the rights to it and performs it and changes the lyrics and turns them into Christian songs. And it's insane because she's super talented. And we've got her latest um, song right now. We've got the video over on faithwire.com. We cover a lot of her stuff. She's just phenomenal, and, and I don't think a lot of people know about her. So trying to get people to know about her and check her music out. 
I will definitely do that. It's Faithwire. Is that with your byline underneath it? It is. Yes, it is. Very good. Well, Billy Hallowell, I appreciate you. When you get a chance, go vote on the vital question as to whether or not Scaramucci's vulgarities are okay or he should be an example or you can't effing make up your mind. So we need that. And uh, have a great weekend, my friend. Thank you for being here. You too. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Your Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. You can take the president down. I'm, we were listening to the president a little bit during the break there. He is uh, Brentwood, Long Island, talking to uh, a group of law enforcement about what we're going to do to dismantle, decimate MS-13 and other gangs. This is, uh, this is a big deal. This is... Something that uh, I'm behind 100%, sir. I understand we saw what the gangs were doing to Long Island. A lot of people had no idea what the hell was going on out there. But there was uh, gang control in several different parts of Long Island. And it was not a good thing at all. So uh, we'll, we'll see if we can grab some quotes during the break. Maybe uh, find out what, what the plans are. I do believe, as I mentioned earlier in the show, that um, that we might send troops to Central America to help the governments there deal with deal with the um, the gangs who are sending not just drugs, but they're involved in this human trafficking. The issue that we saw in San Antonio last week um, with the the ten people who died and the hundreds of people who were in the back of that truck. That, that was hauling people across the border. The gangs are involved in that. You don't think that's an organization with a, a, a reach from not just Central America into this country and all over this country? That is a huge money-making deal that's out there. So what the president's doing here, uh, it's trying to dismantle MS-13 in this country I applaud him for that. And, of course, the men and women of law enforcement, I hope they get every, every dollar they need to fight that battle because MS-13 is a massive, wealthy organization. And guess what? People like ISIS trying to hook up with gangs like this. This is the time when our enemies attempt to unite to go after us. So this is a key thing that uh, we didn't see in the last administration. We saw turning a blind eye from the gang problem, especially the gang problem from Central America. The president has mentioned a couple of different things, including the problem in Chicago, where my old hometown, where the homicide rate is still on pace to beat last year. Chicago had its 400th homicide yesterday, and that's, that's ahead of last year's pace. So we salute you, sir. Give the cops what they need. Let them get the job done. We'll be right back after the break. 
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Just got news, uh, as we mentioned, with Billy Hallowell from Faithwire uh, just a few minutes ago. The the Papal Ninja, Sean Bryan, will be joining us. He is the project's director for a Catholic organization. And uh, he is a former competitive gymnast and NCAA gymnastic athlete. And I will tell you, I'm amazed at at what he was able to do. The Papal Ninja will join us in the first hour on uh, Monday's program on Pure Opelka. So I hope hope you will join us for that. I'm a fan of, of that show. American Ninja Warrior, mostly because there is no way in hell I could do any of that stuff. And I marvel at the ability of the people to do it. Also, some of the stories, some of the people who are there, they're single moms or they're struggling families. They're people who have overcome adversity and they still find time to train for this incredibly difficult sport, which you got to admit, there there aren't a whole lot of... Um, ninja warrior training camps although they started these people who have been doing this now for a few years they have uh they have started to open up camps like gyms in their town where people will come and try and learn those skills so american entrepreneurship on display once again and i frankly i'm i'm kind of pleased that nbc hasn't gone in and tried to uh, at least get a fee from those people or shut down those who are independent operators. I guess they can figure out a way not to use the words American Ninja Warrior. But it's, it's uh, supercharged parkour training. And there are people of all ages. There was a guy in there the other day in his 70s. And he, he got past a couple of the obstacles. I have no idea how he did it. But uh, amazing. The... the uh, Papal Ninja will be joining us. And also, uh, I'm, we're, we're also trying to get Dan Abrams, the guy behind Live PD, which is on uh, Friday nights and Saturday nights from 9 to midnight. I know I don't have a life, but I, I love live TV shows. They show the best of our law enforcement. And it is live, so it's crazy. And then a week from today, a week from today, if you are joining us, you will be able to um, get a preview of Sharknado 5 as the uh, the writer of Sharknado 5 is going to be joining us, which is terrific, right? We're trying to connect on some level with some of the culture because the culture is where we will ultimately get the minds of the young people and start taking back what has been uh, twisted for the last four decades in the education system, and all across entertainment. So uh, connecting to American Ninja Warrior, connecting to the Sharknado folks. I, I, I wish we could get Dan Abrams from uh, Live PD on the horn. We're, we're going to keep trying. We'll keep trying. Uh, meanwhile, the president is out 
in uh, Long Island, at Brentwood, Long Island, and he is uh, talking to uh, an audience of law enforcement folks, talking about the battle against MS-13, MS-13 brutal gang. And uh, the president shared a very unvarnished statement about the MS-13 people. And I just can't wait for the left to get angry that the president called these gang members animals. Here's his statement. Together, we're going to restore safety to our streets and peace to our communities. And we're going to destroy the vile criminal cartel, MS-13, and many other gangs. But MS-13 is particularly violent. They don't like shooting people because it's too quick. It's too fast. I was reading one of these animals was caught and explaining they like to knife them and cut them and let them die slowly because that way it's more painful and they enjoy watching that much more. These are animals. Anyone have a problem with that? Anyone have a problem with the president using the term animals? Yes, I railed against Scaramucci for his his use of profanity earlier, but I don't have a problem with the president calling this gang, this this heartless gang that deals not only in drugs, but in human trafficking, and they don't care. But guess what? The president, I think, I, I think what he's doing when he talks this way about MS-13, when he addresses the issue, with, I think he's spot on. He talked about the problem, why the problem of gangs along the southern border had, had gotten uh, as, as out of control as it is. And I think we all know the reason, but this president does not shy away from making sure everybody else understands it. I said, hey, Tom, let me ask you a question. How tough are these guys, MS-13? He said, they're nothing compared to my guys. Nothing. And that's what you need. Sometimes that's what you need, right? For many years... They exploited America's weak borders and lax immigration enforcement to bring drugs and violence to cities and towns all across America. They're there right now because of weak political leadership, weak leadership, weak policing, and in many cases because the police weren't allowed to do their job. I've met police that are great police that aren't allowed to do their job because they have a pathetic mayor or a mayor doesn't know what's going on. But... Got a nice round of applause because that's the issue of sanctuary cities. That's the issue that prevents law enforcement from doing its job and protecting the people. I mentioned Chicago earlier. Chicago, two days ahead of last year, has had its 400th homicide. Two days ahead of last year. The year before that, in 2015... We got to, in Chicago, got to 400 homicides in uh, December. So they are four months ahead of 2015 and already ahead of the blistering pace in 2016. I think Donald Trump is going at the, the, the policies of sanctuary cities and of violence and gangs in the right way. And I know this is supposed to be Heroes Week. This is supposed to be the week that the White House said we were going to dedicate to American heroes. 
I think this is finally a win for the White House after the horrific loss on on health care and after the the as as I've termed it, the attacks, disgusting attack on Jeff Sessions. And now we're allowing the attacks from Scaramucci on both Bannon, who I'm not a fan of Steve Bannon, and on Reince Priebus. I've only had brief interactions with Reince, but they've always been professional. I don't think what he said is, is appropriate in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't reflect the, the office. It doesn't reflect the administration. It doesn't reflect the dignity that I believe should come with the office of the president and someone who is his spokesperson. So after that horrible week, this speech appears to be at least something of good news. On top of the fact that under President Trump, the uh, the gross national product and the economy is is picking up steam. So the the economy seems to be helping the president, and if he can be strong on things like tearing apart these gangs and dismantling gangs like MS-13 and protecting us and getting rid of sanctuary cities, maybe he can build a little momentum. Because right now, after the healthcare debacle, there doesn't seem to be too much else that's working for this president. And I do want my tax cut, sir. When we get back, I'll give you an update on North Korea because, yes, after the missile was launched just before we started the show, there, there is an update on what kind of missile it was. And uh, I don't think we're going to be very happy about that. I'll deal with that next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Wrapping up a uh, a busy week. We will be here tomorrow morning, of course. And before I get out of here, I have to remind you, I'm not the only one who's having success with Relief Factor. Yes, of course, you've heard Doc Thompson talking about it. Uh, you, you also have heard uh, Brad Staggs talking about it. But there are thousands of people who got the three-week quick start pack and it worked for them and 80% of them reorder it because it works. The 100% botanical mixture, the fish oils and the, the natural stuff, the spices, it all works to reduce the inflammation, which makes the pain go away or never get started. Don't take my word from it. Doug in Colorado tried Relief Factor, had some success with it. I had gotten to the point where I could no longer walk, let alone hike, more than a half a mile without sitting down to rest. I had switched to bicycle riding from hiking because I could still get exercise without pain. I heard on the radio about Relief Factor helping some people. On October 3rd, I started two packets a day of Relief Factor. From that day to this, I have been able to hike normally. It's unbelievable when you consider how quickly it can work. For me, it worked in eight days. Most people, seven to 10 days. What do you have to do? Go to relieffactor.com or you can pick up the phone. 
You can call 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. I use Relief Factor, and it's, it's helped me so much. Quick Start Pack. Three weeks of Relief Factor, prepackaged, ready to go. Take it with you. Nineteen ninety-five. ReliefFactor.com. I, I, um, I almost don't know where to start as we try and wrap up and wrap our heads around today. We lost Charlie Gard today. Charlie Gard, who fought bravely, not even a year old. And now he would have been a year old on Barack Obama's birthday. That, that is not lost on me, and I hope it's not lost on you. The irony there of the guy who created the health care bill that I think eventually, unless we do something amazing in the next couple of months, is going to ultimately bring single-payer health care to this country. And hopefully it takes a long, long time. But the Democrats seem to be united on wanting to make that happen. But Charlie Gard, gone today. Um, we, we watched the aftermath of last night when, when John McCain doomed the attempt, the latest attempt of, um, of repeal and replace to fail. And then John McCain got on a plane today and he's heading back to Arizona for more treatment of his cancer. And you certainly can't blame him for wanting to go take care of his health. But interestingly enough, he didn't want to take care of the health care in this country and get it back on track. And despite endless times, you're now going to see the montages of how many times over the last seven years John McCain has stood in front of a microphone in front of people and said, repeal and replace, repeal and replace, repeal and replace. And now he's the guy who ultimately pulled the plug on the latest attempt. Ted Cruz said a party that lies to its its base will not be in power much longer. I have a feeling he's prescient. So we, we shall see. And in terms of the Scaramucci mess and uh, the, the situation with Jeff Sessions, I, I have to say, I think Sessions has... You know, despite what Mo Brooks said, wanting Jeff Sessions to stay on, which I believe is so he can run for the Senate, I think Sessions would be better off in the Senate. But maybe not. We'll see. But in terms of the Scaramucci story and and the uh, the vital question of the day, I don't know if you've gone in and, and voted. There's still time. We will give you the final results tomorrow. The vital question poll. Where do you stand on on the language, the coarse language used by used by uh, Anthony Scaramucci. Currently, 51% of you are saying, no, don't use the coarse language, Mr. Press Secretary. Let's try and be uh, a better example. 34% say, no limits to free speech anywhere. And our good friend Emily Zanotti, Emily Zanotti surprised me because, you know, she's, she's a lady. But she's also an Italian who said uh, the only thing missing from that being an Italian dinner was someone saying, kiss your mom for me. I guess I don't know. Maybe I'm confused. But um, I, I certainly want better out of my president. I want better out of my press secretary. I want a higher class of people. I want a better example.
I'm going to lead by example. So uh, watch this space. Do you think? Do you think sessions last another week? Do you think Priebus lasts another week? Bannon has said boo about the insult that was given to him. I think Steve Bannon is dug in. And I don't think I I think if he raises his head, he's afraid he's the next to go. There's turmoil in the White House. I wish we didn't have it so we could get onto a real agenda. Like cutting taxes, like taking on MS thirteen, like shutting down North Korea, which fired an intercontinental ballistic missile today. Something has to be done. Stop the squabbling. We'll be back at 6 a.m. tomorrow. I hope you're here, too. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network.